0: Our scripture reading comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Paul writes these words, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law faultless but whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ will you pray with me this morning almighty and everlasting God we humbly bow in spirit before you this morning as we pray for your church and your kingdom in this world there are so many things we cling to that often seems so important to us in this world. But you, Lord, are what we need most of all. Without you and your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, guidance, and strength, we are nothing. Help us to put everything into your perspective and to see the world through your eyes so that as we go about our days, as we see and experience all that happens in our homes, workplaces, and the world around us, we can react as you would to be your church in everything that we do and say. You've given us the example through the life of Your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived among us and showed us how to reach out to each other and to love one another and to love You. Help us in those moments of weakness when we let the things of this world overwhelm us, when all the things of this life consume us, that it is You we turn to, that it's Your discernment and wisdom we seek. Help us, Lord, to be your true disciples as we live and work in this time and place. Lord, we pray this morning for those who are hurting, whose bodies and spirits are worn down by disease and troubles that seem to come at them from all directions. We lift up those whose medical needs caused them to be hospitalized this week. We pray for Noma Lucas, John Fowler, Eileen Downey, and Brady Bliss, and ask that they will feel your healing hands upon them, as they recover from their illness. We also lift up in prayer Diana Anderson and her family following the death of her father, Edward Hutchcroft, this week. Lord, you are so close to the brokenhearted, to the grieving and the lonely. We pray for comfort and peace in the midst of their sorrow and pray with all who mourn today. This has been a hard week in our country, with events that have torn apart families, with loss of life and numerous people who have been injured And we just pray that people will find you in the midst of the hurt, pain, and confusion. We pray that you will be seen in the rescue workers, the many volunteers, and all those who reach out to help any who have been affected by these tragedies. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
1: I want to uh, speak to you for a minute as, as pastor. You know, like, like many of you, I'm I'm a I'm a dad. And so these these events that unfolded in Boston really kind of gripped hold of me. I, I was horrified like all of you were of all that loss, all that collateral uh um, horror, I'm going to go with. But as a dad, I just looked at that and I had fury. Man, I mean I had fury cuz I I have little little tolerance for for the harming of children and when when some of them are injured and, and killed, I was just so so filled with anger and 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 as the week played out you know of course like a lot of you i i i did a lot of praying and then of course the 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 events the accident in in west texas and then the earthquake in china and and here's what i you know was put right in my face again was the fact that we live in a broken world there is a brokenness to our world and there is a solution There is a solution. This morning I I heard at the 745 service our lay leader, Don Haugen, say, and God, take into your hands the innocent and the victims of these tragedies. See, that's what we believe. That our God takes into his hands those that are broken and harmed from these things. And we remind ourselves that we have a role in that. You see, It's too late for us to stop the tragedy in Boston. I'm not a chemist. I couldn't have figured out what went in West Texas. and I know it's beyond me to understand how an earthquake happens. But here's the thing. We need to offer the world more than a happy handshake. It's important for us in worship. Get up, hug each other, high five, and offer that happiness. But the world needs more than a happy handshake. They need Jesus Christ. And that's what we're to offer Him. And when we gather here and worship like you just worshiped, and and are taught like you're going to be taught here in a few moments, and have the scriptures laid out for you like they were a few moments ago, those aren't just for happy handshakes. Those are training sessions. What we're doing here is worshiping the Lord God, trying in everything that we can to bring you into an encounter with the Holy, so that you might be built up, that you might be strengthened, so that when you leave this place, you can be Christ's soldiers for the world, and you can offer peace by offering Christ. Now, that's not the sermon, even though it sounded like one. I want to start our sermon. uh, That's just kind of, I think, words that we're all thinking. I want to start our our words for today with one word. Anytime you see a scripture that starts with the word further or therefore, you have to pay attention to what's in front of us, front of it or behind it. I, I had a professor once that we were working over a scripture, and it started with the word further. And he says, further, and he says, now, what does that mean? And my buddy Paul Garvin from Missouri in the back row raises his hand. And he says, I know what that means, Dr. Milligan. He says, what's that mean, uh, Mr. Garvin? He says, when it says further in the Bible, it means you're not done by a long shot, right? That's what it means. You know, when your mom says, so further, oh, okay, well, another five minutes of this, all right, great. Um, when it says further in the scriptures, we have to look at what precedes it and understand it and then pay attention to what that further is adding on. So let me, let me start with, with what precedes it. When Paul says further, now he wasn't here in our worship facility last week, but a lot of you were. Pastor Keith said a sentence that I've begun to claim as my own because I think it's one of the best sentences that I've ever heard in a sermon. He said this, and I tweeted it. I put it out there on the Twitter world. He said, church is more than a holy huddle. That's awesome. Church is more than a holy huddle, you know, where we all come together, we worship God and say, Ready break, go do it, all right? Worship in church is more than that. Good line. Good line. I wrote it down, I tweeted it, I did everything, and I'm copying it, and hopefully in two years you people will forget that he said it and claim it as mine. All right? You should hear what our pastor said in the church today. No. You know, church is more than a holy huddle. Another thing that two things that happened in regards to that last week is Keith taught you that in what Paul's referring to, is that we're to serve the Lord in our world. And he brought Evan. Remember Evan from last week? Big old Evan high school student at at Jefferson. He brought Evan up here, and Evan talked about how Alex had served him, and then how we had served him, and he had come to know Jesus Christ. We serve, as Pastor Keith said last week, the Lord in our world. And then he went on to say, Keith did, to serve the Lord in His church. And laid out to you how 20% of the people do 80% of the work around here, which is typical in the volunteer org- organization, and how we can break that. Now, I want to tell you right now, people have said, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, what do you want me to do? You ask me what you want to do? Here's what I want you to do. Appoint yourself to something by the Holy Spirit. We need coffee servers, don't we, Diana? We need coffee servers down there. You can serve, sign up for that. We need, you know what? One of the things I notice every week that we need is down here at the handicap door between this service and the next one, we need somebody that says, Hello, welcome to First United Methodist Church. Five right turns and you'll be to the sanctuary, right? Okay, we need that person. I'm serious. I'm being quite serious. If you want to appoint yourself, appoint yourself to that. And later on, we'll give you a title. Whatever title you want. tsar of the door, king of the door. We don't care. Whatever you want to do. But, But I mean, there's always things like that. So when Paul says further, he's referring back to what he said before. And then he's going to add some things. Further, in addition to, I want to tell you these things. So, what is Paul adding? Well, he starts by saying, hey, I don't apologize for repeating some of the things that I've talked to you about because I'm talking to you about today faith fundamentals. I want to talk to you about faith fundamentals. Those of us that are, you know, college basketball fans or at least caught some of March Madness, if you watch the national championship game, the Louisville Cardinals versus Michigan uh, Wolverines, you heard on there over and over again that the national champion, the Louisville Cardinals, you heard the, the commentators keep saying, wow, Louisville is fundamentally strong. They do all the fundamentals right. And you know that the day before that game, their coach was talking to him about throw the pass to the back hip get in the defensive position, the same fundamentals that they started learning probably when they're in fifth or sixth grade. But that's what made them great because they were so good at the fundamentals. If we're going to be great at being Christians, if we're going to be great at speaking peace into the world, if we're going to be great talking about healing and wholeness in the world, we have to be great at the faith fundamentals. So this is where Paul starts, and it's a surprising place. He says this, watch out for the dogs. Now, he doesn't say, who let the dogs out? You know, that he doesn't do that, Okay he says, watch out for the dogs. And he's being quite sincere. And we need to understand his sincerity in this. See, a lot of you have been to third country world, third world countries. I've been to, you know, one or two. And I, I, I remember when I was both in Israel and in Nicaragua, that everywhere you went, there were these dogs, right? Those of you that have been out of the country, dogs everywhere, right? And they're not pet dogs. They're not like dogs that, people have, you know, they don't have little doors for the dogs in their houses. They don't have like electronic feeders. You know, these are just dogs, and they just are out there running wild, and they're at the edge of, edge of the community, edge of society. They're out there eating the garbage. They're out there, and they're on their own, okay? So when Paul's talking about the dogs, he's talking about things that are alive by their own effort. They are clearly, those dogs in these third world countries, alive by their own efforts. So what's he talking about in a faith context when he says, watch out for the dogs? He says, watch out for people who bring to you a faith that says you can be alive by your own effort. Any faith that annuls the grace of God and puts the spotlight on human achievement is dog. Don't look at it. Watch out for the dogs. When anything moves to the center ground, human righteousness other than God, Paul says to us, watch out. Watch out for the dogs. Now, the spiritual landscape into which Paul spoke then and into which I speak right now is there needs a passionate cry to all of us. to Say, watch out for the dogs. There's people espousing. The dogs are people that are espousing uh, philosophies and, and faith that take people away from God. And I have to tell you, one of the first things that we have to do as Christians is believe that the dogs exist. The dogs exist. We hate that. We want to be good people. We want to be nice. We want to be, you know, accepting of everyone. We want to be tolerant. We want to get all this diversity. Look, you got to see a dog for a dog. Sometimes the things that are speaking against Christ, always the things that are speaking against Christ are dogs. It's hard for us to believe that dog-like behavior exists in the world today because we want to be nice and happy and cheerful. But listen, the dogs exist. They do. I'm telling you. I know some of them. You've heard some of them. You've heard this. Here's a dog for you. You've heard people say, whether it just be within your circle of friends or on television, hey, the truth's your own. W- whatever you think is right, it's right. Because it matters what you think. That is dog, man. That is nothing but dog. That is not what God says. You, you've heard other dogs that says you can be your own God. You know, whatever, you know, Whatever you think, you can be God over your own life. Or worse, you'll have people say, God is irrelevant today. God has nothing to engage in our world today. And I want you to understand this, that we listen to that and it pervades our mind and it walks in there and it becomes like a dog. Because you see, dogs love packs. They don't like working alone. They like having other dogs join with them. And like all of us, like all of us, they try to, people, to get people to join them. And they try to draw people into their lostness. But watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the dogs because they, like all of us, need to submit to God. Now, a little cultural example we found this week. I want to show you this week. Take, take a look at what I'm talking about in your own terms. Take a look at this video.
2: To be a survivor in this amazing race, with a need for speed, you need God's grace. And if you're desperate like housewives watching Days of Our Lives, you can't cope without hope, and that's not on a soap. If you're looking to Oprah or Dr. Phil, you can shop nonstop or pop a pill, but the void won't fill and the pain won't kill till you love the one that hung on the hill. Kicking back in your lazy boy easy chair watching Who Wants to be a Millionaire? Nah, you're not going to find it there. No American Idol or Council Tribal has a final answer that'll satisfy you. CSI ain't got a clue. SVU don't know what to do. Not the ER, the OC, nothing on a CDT. TV, DVD, or MP3 can save you and me. CNN's got no good news. Here's a headline. You must choose. It's not a simple life, Paris Hilton. It's treading on thin ice, living in sin. You can be an apprentice for Donald Trump or eat Fear Factor fast food from a dump. You can be a heavy hitter, a Wheel of Fortune winner, a Fox News no-spin spinner, or a flat-out sinner. But you better check this life that you're living in and make sure your sins are forgiven. I bet you 50 Cent, Elvis done came and went, and eventually every Black-Eyed P, Gwen Stefani, P, Diddy, and Brittany, every wannabe on MTV with the icy bling, every Dixie chick that sings, they all going to see the King of Kings. I don't care if you're J-Lo or Leno or Bono. One thing you got to know, someday you're going to die, bro. Then where are you going to go? Hey, I'm not talking some punk junk that's irrelevant like your grandma's church from way back when. It's not some preacher feature on TBN that you need to be liking or listening. The real superstar is Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the truth and the life. One day he's going to split the sky. He's the brightest light and the highest high. So what I came to say and what I'm telling you is don't buy that stupid stuff they be selling you. It's all designed to fill your head and waste your space until you're dead. Here's the bottom line of my rhyme. Give your life to God while there's still time.
1: Right? But you know what she's saying in our time, you know what she's saying, watch out for the dogs. Don't let the dogs fill your heads. Get your mind. She, she says this last line, the bottom line of my rhyme. Give your life to God while there's time. You see, you must choose. I've stood with high school, college students, junior high kids over the generations. I've stood right here in this sanctuary and others and saying, listen, you have to choose Jesus Christ. And there's a very simple pathway. Right now in confirmation, we're going through this thing where the students get to commit their lives to Christ. They get to talk about They get to preach their own sermon to Pastor Mike. It's really awesome. But I say, you know what, guys? When you, when you get ready to preach your sermon, you really need to know three Ds of discipleship. And If you can write three words down during this sermon, I'd write these ones down. The first one is this, discover. Somewhere along your life, you realize that you can't do everything. You realize that you have needs beyond those which you can match, beyond which your parents can match. You've got something in your heart that seems empty, that needs to be filled. You've got something that you need forgiveness for. And you discover, because of a Sunday school teacher, because of a parent, because of a TV show, because of a teacher, that there is a Jesus Christ out there who is the answer to every one of your needs. And once you discover that, you're moved towards a decision. That's your second D word. You're moved to decide that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. You're moved to decide, to choose that Jesus is the way you're going to live, that you're going to follow Him, you're going to put your path on Him. You're never going to wave from Him. And once you decide, you have to do something about it. That's your three, third D. You have to become a disciple. You have to give your whole life to Him. Once you choose, you've got to go and do. And you live your life out for Him because that's where the work and the joy is. And that takes us to this. Watch out for the dogs. You've got to take your faith seriously. You must take your faith seriously. It's important to have a faith, but it's just as important, maybe more important, to take that faith seriously. Because I know that it makes people nervous. I know it makes you, some, some of you nervous when sometimes, time after time again in the last 10 years, where I stand here in front of the church and say, listen, the faith in Jesus Christ, Christianity is under attack. It's under attack and it's under attack right now. It's under attack mostly by alternatives. A lot of them, Are things that are coated in the good. The great has wrapped its arms around the good. I was talking to one of our students a while back, and he was talking about how when he was younger, they really didn't have time to go to church. They're doing a lot of good things. You can name them all, but they just didn't have time to come to church. So this young guy, he really didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ because a lot of good things were happening in his life and didn't have time. And I said, look, I want you to imagine this. And I'll tell it to you because you're listening to me now. Imagine this when you say, I don't have time. Imagine the day that you die comes about and God looks down at your poor corpse and he says, huh, I got a lot going on today. I got that thing over in China I'm working on i got some hearts in Boston that I need to be healing. There's some people down in Texas that need me. There's wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. I don't know if I have time to bring you in to heaven today. It changes when you turn the tables, doesn't it? The good can oftentimes push out that which is great. Then there's alternatives that are attacking the faith all the time. Sometimes it's the good stuff. Sometimes it's just the weird stuff. Okay. Do you remember that story from the Old Testament? The Old Testament story? Here's the Israelites. They're coming out of Egypt. There's two million of them. They're coming out of Egypt. The chariots of, of Pharaoh are finding them, and God puts up a pillar of fire between them and the chariots, blocking the chariots out. Then God opens the Red Sea, and a couple million folks, that doesn't just happen in ten minutes, walk across the Red Sea, right? Then God drops that fire and says to the to the Egyptians, come on in! And they go into the pool, running through that open gate, and down comes the water. kills them all. They get on the other side of the lake. All the chariots, they've seen all the Romans die, or all the Egyptians die. The, 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 the Israelites are there camping together for a while, and after a few days, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, begins to meet with God, and almost right away when he's gone, the Israelites say, well, where's this Moses? What's become of him. You know what? Let's make us an idol. They make this big golden calf and they take it out in front of the people and say, it wasn't God who brought you out of Israel, Egypt. This is who brought you out of Egypt. And people worshiped the calf. That's just weird, right? That's just weird. But weird stuff draws us away from God all the time. And sometimes there's the simple. I got a buddy that's got a tattoo on his arm. And I know what it means because his heart's right. He says, Jesus is my homeboy. You've probably seen t-shirts. You've probably seen that on the internet. And it's kind of a neat thing. But be careful with that one. Because when we say Jesus is my homeboy, we're saying that he rolls with us rather than we roll with him. You understand that? We don't get up in the morning and say, Jesus, this is what we're going to do today. You're coming along with me. We wake up in the morning, we say, all right, God, looks like a good day. What do you want me to do today, Jesus? I'm willing to roll with you. That's taking faith seriously, okay? And of course, also one of the things that takes us away from the good, from, 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 from faith and it is just pure, unadulterated Evil. Faith is always under attack. And it is. And so Paul comes out to us, watch out. Take your faith seriously. Because if you don't, any attack will crush you. All of us that are sitting in here that are adults have met some friend, had someone in our family or someone that we know real well, go off to some college class, right? And they've heard a psychology, a philosophy, or a religion le- lecture. And even though they've grown up in the church, maybe they got a second grade Bible when they were in church, maybe they even got confirmed. And they come home, and they say, I've heard this religion class, uh, you know, speech, and my faith is wrong. I've divorced myself from my faith. That is not the faith for me. Christianity is just a sham. You've heard that, haven't you? You've had people do that. I mean, you know, because their foundations were not deep enough. They weren't rooted enough in the Lord Jesus Christ. They hadn't taken the time. They hadn't been shepherded to building deep foundations. I get emails from guys that are in the military. I get emails from, from people that, from their workplace and say, Pastor Mike, I need help in my faith. I need to strengthen my faith. It's a dog eat dog world out here, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear and I am dying. Okay? Because their their faith has not been strengthened the way it could. They, they knew the faith. They knew about the faith. They drove by the church. They came to church from time to time, but their faith did not have foundations. You know men and women that you go to work with maybe every day. that Maybe they've dabbled in religion. Maybe they've got a Bible at home. Maybe they download it on their iPod, whatever. But then something on the History Channel or the Sci-Fi Channel or something came out, and they said, I've seen this TV show. and Even though it was a good documentary or something like that, they'll say, Re- religion must be a fake, because they weren't deep enough you see you have to take your faith seriously and faith demands and takes your whole person it takes your whole person see faith is devotion of your whole person not a physical mark the jews wanted to be saved by what they did they wanted to earn credit they, they wanted to get up a, a faith bank account. So they got circumcised. They followed the laws. They ate the right foods and all that kind of thing. And they just kept counting up the deeds of the law because they believed that if you had the right credentials, God would take care of you. And, and you, they just kept believing you have the right credentials, you'll, you'll be fine. We had a guy in our last service. He gave a talk at the pulpit for our finance and stewardship concern. His name's Tom. And I'll tell you what, if I ever hurt my knee, I'm going to go to Tom. You know, I, I I'm gonna go to Tom. I'm gonna say, Tom, you know, take a take a look at my knee. No no offense to you, Addie. I mean, you could take a look at my knee, see that I got a knee. But I'm not gonna come and say to you, examine my knee. Not because it would be creepy to you looking at your pastor's knee, but because there's another reason. I would go to Tom. You know why? Because before his name is the title doctor. Okay, Tom is a doctor of medicine. He has a, 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 he is a doctor of medicine, so he can look at my knee and know what's wrong with it. He has the proper credentials okay? The Jews were all about having the proper credentials. I I had a bishop once. One great thing he did was send me here. Might have started and ended with that, according according to me. But uh, he sent me here. But one of the things he always used to do is he used to like to build us up by adding accolades to us. I'd be at annual conference. I remember once on the floor of annual conference, And he says, all right, Dr. Morgan, go ahead. Now, and I'm looking around, you know, Dr. Morgan. He's like, come on, doc, what do you got to say? Well, you know, he was trying to brush me up, give me an accolade I didn't deserve, give me a credential I I didn't deserve. And and we have to get over our credentials. Even, even, it was kind of cool, you know, in front of a thousand people. Dr. Morgan? Yeah, that's me. All right, what's up? You know, uh, I mean, I didn't pay for that extra year of school, but okay, I'll take it. Um, But you see, Paul is talking about credentials in the faith. And what Simon said a few minutes ago is exactly right. Paul says, look, you want to talk about credentials? I got them all. Follow the law, educated, chase down the Christians. I got them all. You want to play the credential game? I'll beat you. I'll beat you bad because I got more credentials than you. But it's the wrong game. That's not what we need because accolades and credentials don't matter. Regardless of the accolades, regardless of the letters before your name or after name, none of your credentials, says Paul, is savior of the world. None of them. None of us here have that credential. None of us has the credential or the degree Savior of the world. There's only one, and there are none like Him. See, we're saved by grace alone, and that salvation is a free gift of God. And we can never earn it, and we can never deserve it, but we can accept it by simply knowing Jesus Christ. And credentials, credentials pale in regards and comparison to knowing Jesus. See, Paul uses this accounting theme In there now, here's what I know about accounting. Number one, hire Craig. Number two, spend less than you have. That's my accounting. Spend less than you have. That's how I do accounting. But Paul knew more about that, and what he says is that what used to be considered a gain, credentials, following the law, being a good Jew—all those—that's important, and that's used to be a gain. But now that moves to the lost column because there's something better, and that is knowing Jesus. And so Jesus, knowing Jesus, is what goes in the gain column. Paul's not tossing away junk to know Jesus. He's tossing away that which meant tremendously, a lot to him. It had great value. And therein lies the extraordinary impact of the testimony and the high commendation of faith in Jesus Christ. The dogs are barking. They're barking all the time, and they're turning people from Jesus every single day. And if we plan to speak into that world, if we plan to speak into that brokenness, then our faith fundamentals must be strong. So let me take our last few minutes, or as I started, maybe I'll say, further means he ain't done by a long sight. But I just want to tell you three things, three faith fundamentals. First, Worship is to be done in the Spirit of God. I mean, not just here, but certainly here. Worship is to be done in the Spirit of God. Worship's not a thing of ritual. You know, when you got that pink bulletin, you didn't look at it and say, okay, greeting, check. Baby baptized, check. Singing, check. It's, we're not going through a checklist by that we, the, the, you know, it's not that we have an, uh, to observe a certain set of details or regulations, or, or or just watch all the things of the law. Christian worship is the thing of the spirit and the heart. It, it, it's 365 days a year, and it works all the time. See, you can go through the motions of worship. You can come here. You need to sing. You know, raise your hands up and sing. You can go. You can be up here in the praise band. You can go through all the motions of worship. You can be here every Sunday. You can tithe. You can have a Bible. You can read it. But here's the thing. You can go through all those motions and still have a heart that's far from God. You can still have a heart that's far from God. Because I've said this a thousand times. I probably have said this a thousand times, kids. And I say it to you. Just because I am standing in a garage does not make me a car. Just because I am at McDonald's does not make me a French fry. And just because I'm standing in church doesn't make me a Christ follower. You see, that's a matter of the heart. You have to worship in spirit and in truth. Christian worship is intensely spiritual. Whatever outward forms we take it, we've been, Keith and I, have been to three wonderful worship services this morning, all of which were praising God in different words, in different people, in different notes. All of them. So it doesn't matter the outward form our our worship takes. You prefer this time, so you come and, 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 and participate with this. What's important is that worship must always be inspired by the Holy Spirit. It can never be inspired by anything else, and we need to yield to it. We need to give our hearts into it. Secondly, our only boast is in Jesus Christ. Our only boast is in Jesus Christ. See, our boast is not in what we have done for ourselves, but in what He has done for us. We can't boast anything about ourselves. We can only boast what Christ has done for us. And, and I know we say, oh, we don't want to be boasting. Well, I'm telling you what, the Scripture says boast. Because boast is the correct word. Because what Christ has done for you is more than you can ever do for another. We have to look at the fact of saying, we're going to boast not about what we've received, but what He has done for us. I, I'll tell you, back in 1999, I received one of the coolest phone calls ever. Just imagine yourself. Getting this phone call, and you're a poor, struggling pastor. On the other end of the line was my father in law, and he says, Hey, Mike, you know that 1996 Lexus I have? I'm like, Yeah, Sal. He says, You want it? In my heart, I'm like, <laughs> and I said, Sure, that'd be okay. He just gave me a Lexus, it 30,000 miles on it. I mean, who gives somebody a Lexus? The answer is Sal. All right, it was awesome, but when you're a preacher in a small town with a three year old Lexus, you got some explaining to do, don't you? You know, so so I would drive, you know, into the get gas at Casey, or something and someone say, "Hey, pastor, where'd you get the Lexus?" I say, "You know, this dude, my father in law. I mean, the only thing I ever did to him was marry his wife. That's the only good thing I've ever. I mean, I like totally overthrew the coverage and Mary treats it right and. What? Oh, that other one would have been bad, wouldn't it? I mean? Yeah. Well, I he's He's got my back. Man, I need to come down here and pray for a minute. No, I... <laughs> well, this is done. Uh, so anyway, uh, you have no idea the staying power I have. So, So when people would ask me, I'd say... My father in law gave me this car. You'd say, people say, What'd you do for it? I said, Nothing. I didn't earn it. And I don't deserve it. He just gave it to me. See, that's boasting. I'm not boasting about what a great guy he is or what a cool car is. I'm like, This is a great guy because he gave me a car. He was a great guy too for other reasons, but it's like, He gave me a car. And when we talk about boasting in Jesus Christ, we're not talking about things that are, as, you know, because my car, I love that car. But the Linmar parking lot, bam, did not. So I don't have the car anymore, okay? Okay, so, so that car came and went. Well, what Jesus com- gives us only comes. You get me? It only comes. It never went. So we know the kingdom's coming because the king's already come, right? Amen? Amen? Okay, so that's coming, that's coming to us. But we boast in Jesus Christ only because of Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. And lastly, the Christian has no confidence in the flesh. We place no confidence in merely human things. We don't place, as the scripture says, any hope or confidence in things that can rust or mold or mildew. We place no confidence in, in, in merely human things. The Christian places their confidence only in the mercy and grace of God and in the love of Jesus Christ. The Jew, in essence, trusted himself. The Christian, in essence, and reality, only trusts Jesus. We only trust Jesus. We don't trust in ourselves. You guys, should we trust in ourselves? I know myself. Don't trust me. No. Trust the Jesus I tell you about. Trust the Jesus I I tell you about. Trust in God. See, the Christian trusts in God because we cannot manufacture our own acceptability. It's like this. Max Lucado tells this story. He says, here's God with the angels. He says, listen, guys, listen. Today I'm going to show off. I'm going to show off. I'm going to make the most magnificent, most priceless thing. It's going to have value beyond any other value that's of anything in all the earth. And it is precious to me. So you make sure you protect them. Watch this, guys. I'm going to show off. And then he created you. He created you. That's what makes you acceptable to God. Not anything you can do. Not anything you can give. Not anything you can say this cannot be wasted on us as believers. The faith fundamentals are pretty clear for today from Paul's talk. Watch out. Watch out for the dogs because they exist and they're all around you. Have confidence in God and no other being and devote yourself truly and fully because the broken world in which we stand, the broken world into which we need to speak, it needs that. Will you pray with me? Lord our God, you are one, you are only, you are everything. We praise you for
0: that, and we seek you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.